0: <laughs> well, I'm glad you're here today. We're starting a new message series today that uh, is called Being Rich in What Matters Most. And uh, I'm just really excited to start this new message series and, and uh, talk about what matters most Uh, My assistant, Pam, put out on Facebook this week that we're starting this message series, and several of you commented on that, about what matters most. Some of the suggestions were uh, rich milk chocolate, as I recall. Was that you, Karen? Yeah? And uh, somebody else said ice cream, and I said, you're all wrong. What matters most is pie. So, um, So we're in for some good learning here today. And truthfully, uh, about a month ago, I picked up a book by my favorite author. He just came out with with a book that's called How to Be Rich. The author's name is Andy Stanley, and a great pastor and great Christian leader in America And uh, his book has really challenged me. And then another pastor that I follow, Craig Groeschel, uh, did a message series called Being Rich in What Matters Most. And I just felt like this was really timely for us here at Connect Church. And so uh, I'm sharing some of the the thoughts that I've been learning and that have been challenging me. And so we're going to learn a little bit about what it means to be rich and how God can use us in this world uh, that, that needs us to be on mission together. So, uh, I don't know if you've ever had any experiences like this, but, uh, I, I am a spender and my wife is a saver. Any of you married couples kind of like that? You have one of each. It's kind of good to have one of each in your family actually. And, um, (laughs) Colton, Susie, you're both savers, aren't you? Yes. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a spender and Chris is a saver. So I have these moments of greed that just grip me from time to time and uh I do love shoes. Yes. We're not going there today. Although um Chris is 3, Russ is 0, just saying. Um <laughs> But uh you know, I like stuff and I like beautiful things and and uh when we moved to the Bozeman area, one of the things we notice is when you drive around town, uh, you see these beautiful, this time of year especially, you see these beautiful hanging baskets of flowers out in, in front of the house. You know what I'm talking about? And so the very first year that we lived here, uh, we went to the nursery and I wanted one of those big, giant baskets of flowers that are just spilling out everywhere, you know, and we went up and and uh, Chris looked at the price tag and she said, nope, we're going to buy one of these little baskets of flowers over here. you know." And, um, and, and I've always wanted one of those big, big baskets of flowers because I just get so, I mean, I might as well call it what it is. I just get envious of those homes that have those big, beautiful baskets of flowers. And I'm, I'm a spender. Chris is a saver. And every year, Chris says no. And, and one year, we were driving around in our neighborhood and uh, we drove by this house that had this absolutely stunning display of flowers. They must have spent $500 on flowers for their house, you know. And I drove by, and without even thinking of it, the words just spilled out of my mouth. Another summer, and I don't get what I want. And Chris threw up in her mouth a little bit. And um, she looked at me, and she said, first world problems. Uh and isn 't that where we go sometimes right where we, we just get our eyes on these things this year. Our good friends Louie and Cindy bought us a beautiful basket of flowers, so our home is beautifully graced with flowers this year um, but But you know we just sometimes get so greedy. Uh, and, and, and it's so easy to go there, and we're going to be talking about that today. Uh, the, the title of the message today is Good News and Bad News, and so we're going to talk a little bit about being rich and the good news about being rich and the bad news about being rich. Um, now, when I was growing up, I think I was probably like many of you, and I just wanted to be rich when I grew up. Would Most of you say that's probably true, that as an American person, uh you just had this in your mind that i'm going to get a good job i'm going to do whatever it takes i want to be rich when i grow up uh any of you feel like that was kind of when you were growing up one person in first service said i wanted to marry somebody who was rich so <laughs> that might be some of you uh And I don't know if you feel like you're rich or not today, but probably everybody in the room knows somebody who is rich. Do you know anybody who's rich? You'd say, I know rich people. Have any of you ever said, either internally or with your out loud voice, I wish I had their money because I could do it better than they do it? Okay. One very brave hand in the back. Yes. Let me ask you this question. How many of you in this room would raise your hand and say, quite honestly, I am mega filthy rich? (laughs) okay a couple of hands and a just kidding all right (laughs) here's the deal everybody wants to be rich but people who really are rich are usually embarrassed by it and uh there's a lot of people who are rich who probably don't even know they're rich and i'm going to be sharing some ideas about that today But here's the problem with the idea of being rich. Being rich is really a moving target. Do you know what I'm talking about? Because the way you define being rich might be different for you than it might be for me. Uh, I might look at some of you and say, now that person is mega rich. You might look at me and say, Russ and Chris, boy, they are mega rich. It's a moving target and it's very difficult to define what riches is. And so over the next few weeks, as we, uh, as we share together, many of you are going to wake up and realize that you've crossed a line into being rich, and you're going to say, maybe for the first time, God has blessed me with more than I need, and I want to be rich in what matters most. I want to be rich in a way that truly honors God. And so that's where we're going today and in the coming weeks, and, and I, I hope that many of us have light bulbs just going off in our minds about what it means to be rich and what it means to be rich in what matters the most. So if you've got your Bibles with you today, I'd like you to turn uh, to begin with to First Timothy chapter 6, and I want to read three verses from this chapter in the New Testament, First Timothy chapter 6. Uh, this will be up on the screen if you just want to follow along. Uh, and that's fine too, but the book of 1 Timothy is actually a letter written by the apostle Paul to his young protege, whose name was Timothy, so that's why the book is called Timothy. It's the first letter that we have from Paul to Timothy, so that's why it's called 1 Timothy, and in this letter, Paul the apostle was older. He was writing to his younger protege, who was pastoring people, and uh, young pastor Timothy needed some instruction from Paul. And so these are three of the verses from this letter that Paul wrote to young Pastor Timothy. And this is what Paul said. He said, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so what? Unreliable. Unreliable. Have you ever realized that money is unreliable? I have. doesn't seem like as soon as you reach some sort of financial goal, the water heater breaks. And and it's like, no, not another setback, right? I mean, it's just unreliable. Uh, Their trust, Paul says, should be in God, and I love this line, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Did you know God gives you richly everything you need, and not just for Uh, his own glory, but he blesses you so you can enjoy it. That's good news in itself today, isn't it? That God loves to bless you so you can enjoy your life. Uh, He goes on, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so they may experience true life. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in money. Now here's one of the things that I've learned recently. Every blessing that we have in our lives that we don't become thankful for has the potential to turn itself into pride in our lives. And so easily, when God blesses us with wealth, when God blesses us with riches in any aspect of life, it's so easy for us to become self-impressed and proud and self-sufficient. But God calls us to be different than that. And I want to talk about what rich is today. What does it mean to be rich? The Gallup organization did a poll recently and they asked people uh, of all income levels in the United States, what rich means to them. And here are some of the results. It's kind of interesting. People who earn $30,000 consider rich people to make an average of $74,000. That was the average answer. If I earn $30,000, I think rich people earn $74,000. Uh, The people who earn $50,000 in a year thought that rich was $100,000 or double what they make. Isn't that interesting? The people in America who made more than $200,000 a year thought that being rich meant you would make $5 million in a year. It's a moving target, right? And the line continues to move. Uh, you you can probably relate to my my experience as well. The the rich line has moved through the course of my life. When I graduated from college, my first pastoring job was in a large church in Boise, Idaho. It's where I met my wife, and uh, my take home pay was eight hundred dollars a month. And. Uh, and, and, and I had everything I needed. I mean, I felt like I was rolling in the dough because I came from being a poor college student to having a regular monthly income. And I had a little two-bedroom apartment. My car was paid for. I didn't have any credit card debt. $800 a month was plenty until my car broke down and I needed a new car. And there wasn't enough money to make a car payment. So I started taking on piano students and I started teaching students in the evening to make a little extra money and then I could buy... A car. And I found out that I was a terrible piano t- teacher, so don't come and ask me if I'll teach your kid piano. I, I'm a terrible teacher. Don't do that anymore. But eventually I started making more money so that I didn't have to have another job on the side. I was able to, to live on what I had. But as soon as that happened, then I got a more expensive place to live. Chris and I got married, and when we first got married, we, we bought a little house in Great Falls, and it was a little uh, three bedroom house. 900 square feet and we thought we lived in the Taj Mahal right until we started comparing ourselves to other people in our church that had 1800 square feet homes and and all of a sudden the rich line starts moving and Chris got a raise in her job and she was working more and we could afford a bigger house so we sold the Taj Mahal and bought the presidential palace that was 2,300 square feet. And and the rich line just kept moving. And over the course of my life, the rich... I don't consider myself rich, I don't think. But the line just keeps moving. And you've probably seen that in your life as well. Um, and so this morning, there's good news and there's bad news about being rich. And if you're taking notes this morning, I'm going to share the good news with you. We do have note cards up here on the stage. And there's some back there if you need to grab a card. Uh, you want to start with the good news? Is that okay with everybody, if we start with the good news? Uh, here's the good news today. The good news is you are rich. You are... I only got one woohoo. All right, thank you for that. <laughs> it's terrible when I have to coax it. Um, I want you to know this morning, you are rich. You might not feel rich, but the reality is that if you live... In America, you have rich people opportunities. You have rich people opportunities. You have education. You have books. You have libraries. You have access to information that helps you make your life better. Stuff that people in developing countries don't have access to. If you're a mom or a dad, you can get your kid music lessons. You can pay to have their teeth straightened. If you have some sort of disease, you can afford to have a surgery. Most of us have insurance of one kind or another. So if something unforeseen happens, we have somebody that's going to cover for us. That's something that is an opportunity really on world standards only rich people have. You probably have enough money to pay a machine to wash your car. You can pay a babysitter so that your kids are taken care of and you can go to a marriage conference. You have so much extra in your life that if your neighbor gets sick and can't cook for himself, you can probably make an extra meal and take it next door so that person has enough to eat. You have more than enough to eat so that you can share with somebody else. The good news today is you are rich. You really are rich. Here's what we read in Ecclesiastes 5 verse 19. Uh, This was written by Solomon and he says this, It's a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. This indeed is a gift from God. You're rich, it's good news. And it's a blessing, it's from God that we're rich. Now, some of you are pushing back. I'm watching some of your faces and and the the arms go folded and and you're saying, you know, I'm not rich. I'm just not rich. You're not buying my little spiel here. But let me give you some information that might put it a little bit into perspective. When you look at what people earn around the world and and put it into perspective of what we have here as Americans, here's what we see. If you earn $33,000 a year you are in the top 1% of wealth earners in the world. The top 1%. That's not the top 10%. The top 1% if you just earned $33,000 a year. If you earn $80,000 a year, you are in the top 1 tenth of 1% of wage earners. In the world. And on that graph that I made this week, I don't know if you can see it, but over there by the 0.1%, you can see a thin red line. That's one-tenth of 1%. It's so small that you probably can't see it if you're sitting in the back. And if you earn $80,000 a year, you are in the upper crust of wealth globally. Isn't that amazing? And I know that some of you sitting in this room today are facing some significant financial challenges today, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to belittle your, your problems or, or the things that you're facing in your life. I get it, and, and, and I understand your struggle, and I'm empathetic to your struggle. But let's be really honest with ourselves today. You might say, I'm not rich, but today you're going to leave this place in your air-conditioned car. You're going to go home to your two-bedroom home, and you're going to upload a picture of the pepperoni pizza that you ordered to be home delivered onto the Instagram app on your smartphone that you have an unlimited voice and data plan for. (laughs) You're doing okay. In fact, you're rich. You really are rich, and it's good news. I want us to just put this a little bit into a global perspective, and we're really glad to have one of our missionaries home. Nikki Stubbs is here. Nikki, come on up and join me, would you? <laughs> Nikki's become like a daughter to me and Chris, and, uh, and if you haven't met Nikki before, she's an extraordinary young woman. She is serving with Youth with a Mission in Bali, Indonesia, and uh, working very, very hard, and... Uh, reaching out specifically to, to trafficked women. And uh, Nikki led a team of, of YWAMers even to India, to Calcutta, India earlier this year. And uh, you have seen poverty on a, on a level that you probably never experienced while you were living in Montana. Is that fair to say? Yes, definitely. Tell us a little bit about some of the things that you've seen.
1: Um, well, the difference, yeah. It, it just blows your mind. Like, I, I mean, I have seen poverty in America for sure, but uh, when we went to India, when I took my team and most of the girls that I led were from Indonesia, so Indonesia is also, um, compared to America, is very poor. But even the girls who were from Indonesia, their minds were blown when we went to India, just at the amount of poverty uh, that was there. Most of the the people live in just cardboard shops or whatever they can find on the street to to make their their homes. And uh, like we would go to the bus in the mornings for ministry, and we would see. Um, just families coming out from underneath a blanket. We would see a blanket being lifted up off of the sidewalk, and a family of five, a mom and a dad and three kids waking up, and that was their home, was the middle of the median where the buses stopped. So that was, yeah, it was. It blew my mind, the amount of poverty that people lived in, but also the difference between the rich and the poor, because there were rich in India, but the amount of poverty, that people just sleeping in the streets, and there was... Nowhere they could go. There was nothing that anyone could do for them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so talk a little bit about the living conditions, even in Indonesia, um, not as poor as India. But what kind of homes do people have in, in Indonesia? What's it like?
1: Um, most of the homes in Indonesia are basically small cement. want to say holes, but that's basically what they are. They um, are probably no bigger than this square that is here right in front of us between the chairs and the stage. And they're just cement walls, and most families, they live uh, sometimes up to five, six people in a little cement uh, home, like these. And they sleep on bamboo mats on the floor, and all of their families, yeah, just sleep on the cement floor together. This is um, a picture of the community that is really right near next to my house that I live in in Bali, and this is considered a normal housing in uh, Indonesia.
0: So this wouldn't even be considered poor housing or just middle class.
1: Um, yeah, middle class because there is even there is uh, worse than this, but this is like what you would consider normal housing for someone who has like a normal job, like maybe, you know, at a pizza place or something like that. Mm-hmm. They would live in something like this.
0: All right. Yeah. And so um, so they would probably consider us to be very, very wealthy.
1: Yes, definitely very wealthy. If if someone lives in a house even, like, better than this, even a small one-room apartment with a little sweaty potty on the side, they are considered to be wealthy in Indonesia.
0: Okay. Yeah. So I, I did a Google search yesterday. I just wanted to compare... Uh, what, what was considered poor in Indonesia with what is considered poor in America. Uh, the government defines poverty in America as anyone who earns less than $977 a month. That's the poverty line in America, 977 a month. The poverty line in Indonesia is $27 a month. And so if you want public assistance in Indonesia, you have to earn less than $27 a month. That's a little, more, that's a little less than a dollar a day is what poor people in Indonesia... And India would be far, far less. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we're rich, friends. We're rich. Thank you, Nikki. She's going to be sharing with us more in a couple of weeks. So appreciate you helping us out today. When researchers have done surveys, they have found that people in developing countries describe rich people this way. Rich people own cars. Rich people own cars. Uh, one person after first service mentioned to me that he had seen uh, one, one, uh, one researcher who had found that most people in the world consider people who are rich to have a refrigerator. If you can, if you can preserve your food, you're considered rich by world standards. But uh, if you own a car, do you know that you are in the top 3% of wealth in the world? Top 3%. Some people are so rich that they own an extra car. Some people are so rich that they own houses just to park their cars in. We call them garages. Some people are so rich that they have three car garages, one for each car and one for all the crap that they can't fit in their house. (laughs) we're rich. We go out to eat at a restaurant and we order an appetizer and a main course and a dessert. By world standards, that would be three meals. We eat far more than we need because we're rich. We have walk-in closets that are bigger than many people in Indonesia live in. And if you're like me, you walk into your walk-in closet in the morning and you touch all your clothes and you say, I have nothing to wear. (laughs) We're rich. But for most of us, especially if you've got a bunch of debt, you don't feel rich. And if you don't feel rich today, I would probably guess it's for this reason. We don't feel rich because we consume everything God gives us. We consume everything God gives us. And God says... Teach those rich people to be good at being rich. God wants us to be good at being rich. We're blessed, and we can do better, we, but we, we just don't know how to internalize it. So today, I want to help you internalize it, and I want to start with this. I just want you to say out loud two words. I'm rich. Would you say that? I'm rich. If some of you didn't like saying it very well, you could probably say it a little louder. Say it with me. I'm rich. I'm rich. Um, and, And really, being rich is one of those blessings that for some reason we just feel like we have to apologize for. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, we don't apologize for a lot in our lives. If people pay you a compliment, don't you usually just say thank you? You know? Every once in a while, someone will come up to me, not recently, but in the past, someone will come up to me and say, Pastor Russ, I can tell you're losing weight. And... And you know what? I don't apologize for that. I don't say, well, you should see me with my shirt off, and then you wouldn't think so. You know, I don't don't say something like that. But if somebody comes up to me and says, wow, Pastor Russ, that's a beautiful shirt you're wearing today, I'll usually say something like, well, I got it on sale, you know? You know, because for some reason, we feel like we have to apologize for being rich when the truth is we're rich and we're blessed and we ought to be thankful. Um. We don't have to be embarrassed. We just have to become good at being rich. If you're taking notes this morning, here's the big idea. I hope you'll write this down. It's this. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. And that's a pretty good definition of what it means to be rich. We've been blessed with more than we need. Would you say that out loud with me? I've been blessed with more than than I need. I'm rich. In fact, say it this way with me God has blessed us with more than we need. We are rich. Will you say that with me? God has blessed us with more than we need. We are rich. So that's the good news. We're rich. Ready for the bad news? Here's the big downer. Okay, the bad news is this number two. The bad news, you are rich. <laughs> There's good news to being rich, and there's bad news to being rich. And uh, to start off with, for this this part of the teaching, I want to take you to Mark chapter 10. This won't be up on the screen, so if you've got a Bible, you might want to follow along with me. Mark is the second gospel in the New Testament. And uh, here's what we read in Mark 10, starting at verse 17. It says, Jesus was starting his way out towards Jerusalem, and a man came running up to him, and he knelt down... And he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, this is Jesus speaking now, you know the commandments, and 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 what I want you to notice here is what Jesus is saying is not easy. Every once in a while, I have somebody come up to me and they say, "I I just really want to reconnect with God. Will you help me with that?" In fact, I had somebody this morning talk to me about that, and and the answer that Jesus gives here is never where I go. Okay, and, but this is an honest question: How do I get in eternal life? Jesus says this: You've known the commandments, don't murder. Don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't testify falsely, don't cheat anyone, and honor your father and mother. What was he what was he quoting? The 10 commandments, right? And the man said, "Teacher, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young." And then verse 21 says, Jesus looked at the man and felt genuine love for him. Jesus really loved this guy. Jesus wasn't just trying to be an old meanie, grouchy guy, okay? He really loved this guy. And then he said this, there's still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now listen, I've never led somebody to Jesus by telling them to go sell everything they own. Uh, I've never said you can't be a member of Connect Church until you sell everything you own. Jesus was radical here, wasn't he? He was radical, but what was he doing? He was putting his finger on the thing that this man loved more than anything. Verse 22 says that at this, the man's face fell and he went away sad because he had many possessions. Okay, now this is what I want you to know today. The bad news is that we're rich, but it's not because God is opposed to us having nice things or God's opposed to us being wealthy. That's not what I'm hoping you get from this. We see throughout the Bible that being wealthy and and having plenty is a blessing from God. God blesses us with wealth. He's okay with us having nice things, but he doesn't want the things to have us. Do you get it? He doesn't want the things to have us. After the rich man walked away, uh, it says that Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. When Luke was writing this story, he added one more thing in here. Uh, Luke records in, in chapter 18 that Jesus said, in fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The bad news is the same as the good news. The good news is we're rich. The bad news is we're rich because when we're rich, it's difficult for us to find eternal life. Why? Why? Well, because our heart falls in love with all the stuff. Our heart falls in love with those beautiful baskets of flowers. Our heart falls in love with that beautiful vintage 1975 Corvette. Our heart gets preoccupied with the stuff instead of focusing on what's important. I want to share with you before we close today three problems with being rich and then we're going to pray together this morning. Three problems with being rich. The first one is this. If you're rich, and I would suggest today that all of us are in this room, if you're rich, it's harder for you to depend on God. It's harder for you to depend on God. When Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, one of the lines that he used in the Lord's Prayer, you probably all know it, is, give us this day our daily bread. What was that line all about? He wasn't wasn't giving us the Lord's Prayer as something to recite, although millions of Christians around the world recite that maybe even every day. Maybe you recited that prayer today, and that's fine. But what Jesus was saying is, if you're hungry, pray to God to give you food. But the reality is very few of us have to come to God and say, God, I'm hungry. Will you give me food today? In fact, yesterday I was looking in our pantry and we've got kind of this Lazy Susan thing that has uh, canned goods and, and spaghetti and rice and, and all that kind of, you know, preserved food on it. And I was spinning that thing around and I was looking at all the things that have been there ever since we bought our house six years ago, okay? <laughs> and, and I was thinking, in the context of what, what I'm talking about today, I have so much food in my house that I will probably throw much of it away because it expires. I, I'm rich, And I don't need to depend on God because I've got plenty to eat. And I think most of us live there. Maybe not all of us, but most of us. It's hard to depend on God because we have everything we need. You hear what I'm saying? Secondly, the second problem with being rich is that it distracts us from our true priorities. The more wealth we accumulate, the more work it takes to manage the wealth. The more dependent we are on keeping the good job, the more preoccupied we are with insurance and and investments and retirement accounts and making sure that we're getting the best return on our money, the more we have, the more preoccupied we become with the stuff. But our true priorities, as Jesus put them, were loving God, heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so often, instead of really loving God, we love money, heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus said the second commandment is just as important, loving your neighbor as yourself. And so often, our stuff gets in the way of our relationships. And our priorities should revolve around loving God and loving others, being good to our family members and being generous and sharing with one another. But so often, we just hoard our stuff. Jesus also said, being on mission is a critical value. He said, go into all the world and make disciples. Being on mission is a critical value, but if we become preoccupied on this stuff, we forget that there's people dying and going to hell all around us. And the wealthier we are, the more distracted we become from true priorities. And it's a challenge. This is why Jesus said it's harder for um, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into into the kingdom of God. Guys, it's tough to be as rich as we are. The third problem with being rich is that you have a greater responsibility. You have a greater responsibility. Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is required. To whom much is given, much is required. And if you're rich, friends, God is going to require an accounting from you of how you managed your wealth. Were you generous? Were you good? Did you do good things? Did you share? Did you love people? Did you passionately worship God? Or did you just manage your money with your whole life? You have a responsibility, and it's a heavy burden. It's a heavy burden. Now, I want to tell you just before we close today that I'm not sharing this stuff with you so much because I'm trying to bring some sort of correction to our church family as much as uh, I have enjoyed this study myself so much and it's, it's challenging me on a, on a very deep level. And, and I want to tell you this. I love pastoring this church And one of the things I love about Connect Church is you all are such generous givers. I am constantly amazed at how we just throw a need out to you people, and you just give so generously. It happens again and again and again and again. And I I love that quality of Connect Church. Uh, Nikki came home about 10, 10 days ago, and we put the word out that she didn't have a vehicle to drive. And a connector said, I've got an extra car. I'll let her drive it. For the five weeks she's home, I can drive a different vehicle. And so she's got a car that came from a connector. I, I love that. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I shared with you that we had a family in need and asked you to just put a little extra cash in the offering. On an on average Sunday, we usually have about 350 people here in two services. I figured we might get 400 bucks in for this needy family Uh, more than $900 in cash came in. You know, it's just, and it happens all the time. We've been giving Bibles to prisoners. Uh, I've lost track of how many Bibles we've given away. Thousands and thousands of dollars we have given uh, in, in Bibles that have gone to prisoners so that they can find Jesus where they are. Uh, A few months ago, we had a representative from the Gideons here. You might remember him. The Gideons is an organization that puts Bibles in hotels and prisons and distributes Bibles to students. And and he was just sharing the mission of the Gideons and how they're helping people reconnect to God. And he was asking for uh, us as connectors to just help them on their mission. And at the end of the service, he stood back there by one of the pillars and he had a Bible laying open. and, And you all just put a little bit of money in that Bible. And when everybody was gone, he came and sat right over here where these young people are sitting, and uh, he began to count that money because he gave me a receipt for the money that came in. It was almost all cash. He had a stack of $100 bills a stack of $100 bills, and his eyes just glistened with tears as he said, thank you, I'm just blown away by the generosity of this church. It was unusual for him to receive that kind of a generous offering. And guys, it happens again and again and again and again at Connect Church. And so I want you to know I'm so proud of you. I love the way you give. And I'm not not teaching this message series because I think you're not doing enough I just, wanted, I just want you to know we can always do better, and if you're new to this Christianity stuff, if you're just starting to walk with Jesus, this might really challenge you, but I think there's dozens and dozens of us here in the Connect Church family that would tell you giving has changed my life. Uh, Being faithful to God and sharing with others has changed my life. I see people shaking their heads around this room. I want you to be blessed, and I want you to have the best life you can. And it comes from being faithful to how we use our wealth. I just want to finish by reading that verse from 1 Timothy one more time. Jess, if you'd put that up. Paul said to Timothy, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud, not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for enjoyment. I'm going to jump down to the end. By doing this, they'll be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Stand with me, would you? I want to pray for you. Jesus, I want to pray for every one of the people that is in this room today. Thank you, God, for the generosity and the, and the faithfulness of connectors, Lord, to always respond to people who are in need. Thank you, God, that you have gathered this group of people who love to give, who love to share, who love to, uh, to sow in secret. And... Uh, And Jesus, I just pray that you will help all of us, Lord, to experience true life, because we're going to learn together, Lord, to not just be rich in money and rich in stuff, but we're going to learn to be rich in good deeds. We're going to learn to be rich in good works. We're going to learn to be more generous. We're going to give more and more and more so that we can invest in true life and not just selfishly indulge our own selves. So help us, Lord, change our minds if we're, if we're, we're just in that place where we're, we're having trouble with this. Lord, help us to see things from your perspective. And I pray, God, that you will bless us as we continue to bless the world with our generosity. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray one more time. Lord Jesus, I am so grateful today that you came and you lived your life as a man. And although you are God, you put on human flesh, Lord, so that you could be the perfect sacrifice and give your life as a sacrifice for my sin and the sins of every one of us in this room. Jesus, some of us today have not yet reconnected with God and we need you to wipe away our sins and start a new life in our hearts. Lord, some of us today have just been living in rebellion and uh, selfishness and we have not been at all mindful of your life in us even though maybe years ago we made a commitment to walk with you. And Jesus, we need new life in our hearts. Lord, today I want to pray for anybody that's in that category in this room, and I want to pray, Jesus, that you will wash away our sins, that that resurrection life we just sang about will become real in us, Lord, as you begin to change us from the inside out. Lord, help us to walk in newness of life instead of the old life full of selfishness and greed and envy and and all that goes with it. Jesus, help us to walk in newness of life with you. And I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you're here today and you're maybe for the first time making a commitment to follow Christ, I would love it if you would mark that on your connection card before you drop them in the baskets. And we'd love to be able to share some next steps of what it means to be a follower of Christ with you.